This episode is brought to you by Visit Myrtle Beach. You know what's better than getting away to a beach? Getting together at the beach. Myrtle Beach, South Carolina. They've got over 2,000 restaurants, live music playing all day and night, and endless attractions. This place was made for playing hard and beaching easy. Welcome to 60 Miles Where You Belong. The Beach, Myrtle Beach, South Carolina. Plan your trip at visitmyrtlebeach.com. Earning your degree online doesn't mean you have to go about it alone. At Capella University, we're here to support you when you're ready. From enrollment counselors who get to know you and your goals, to academic coaches who can help you form a plan to stay on track. We care about your success and are dedicated to helping you pursue your goals. Going back to school is a big step, but having support at every step of your academic journey can make a big difference. Imagine your future differently at capella.edu. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, to get 20, 20, 20, to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Welcome to the Olive Podcast. I'm Janine, Olive's Deputy Editor and Podcast Host, and each episode I'll be catching up with chefs, cuckoo writers and characters from the food scene in Britain and beyond. Join us each week to expand your food knowledge as our guests share 10 things we need to know about the specialist subject. And do listen out for our effortless bonus episodes where they also reveal their top cooking cheats, hacks and shortcuts. I'm delighted to welcome Ollie Smith to the podcast. Ollie is an award-winning wine expert, drinks writer, TV presenter, author, and he hosts his very own podcast, A Glass With. So we're thrilled to have him on today sharing his expertise. Welcome, Ollie. How are you? I'm so pleased to be here. Thanks for having me. I'm, I'm thriving. Thank you for asking. I'm, I'm enjoying the, the last rays of summertime. They're beaming from me to you. Yeah, well, hopefully that'll keep going. Um, so today we're going to take a deep dive into the subject of food and drinks pairing. Um, something that can be a little bit baffling to some people. Is it a subject that you get asked about a lot? I imagine it is. Yeah, I I love to discuss it because actually I think instinctively a lot of people actually know quite a bit about it. For example, you know, when you have your fish and chips, you're going to put salt and vinegar on there. And salt and vinegar work together because they're the same level of intensity, one's sharp and one's salty. And that's a rule of thumb that can apply through all pairings. So actually the key to it really is thinking, well, what do I enjoy? That's first and foremost. Almost. But also think about the dominant flavour in any dish. That is always the key ingredient to pair your drink to. And remember, it's all about having fun. The thing is, it's not to kind of set yourself a test and get it right or wrong. It's actually to explore and enjoy and enrich your moment. So if you do kind of have a clash, it's not the end of the world. You can always find something that will pick up on the pairing. And I find it's like you don't need to spend any extra money to do this. It's just something that unlocks an extra kind of level of enjoyment for free. So by by getting it right, you can actually have a whole lot of fun and go exploring in the world of wine, which is something I love to do. Let's get into it because I know you've got a lot of specific pairings that you want to talk about. And I think that'll be really useful to people because they've got something to hook on to. Um, so one thing I think people would immediately assume um, thinking about kind of, you know, myths or not myths is that 
red wine or port is the best choice for cheese. That's just something that, you know, we've all got in our heads. But you're a big fan of the white with cheese, aren't you? I love white wine with cheese. And, and it's a simple reason. If you think about all of the different flavours and textures and intensities that you might find on a cheese board, right from brie to blue cheese with everything in between, it's actually quite hard to get one wine to pair all of those. And I find with white wine, you actually allow more of the cheese flavours, more of the nuances to flourish. So it's kind of a sustaining rather than a dominating approach. Plus, at the end of a long meal, people quite often want something a bit invigorating. I find if you, next time you have a cheese board, put a bottle of red out and a bottle of white and just see which way people go. More often than not, it's interesting to see people are drawn to the white wine, partly because I think they want to disco dance the night away and they, they're up for the kind of disco fuel. But also, some of the pairings <laughs> specifically can be really delicious. So, for instance, if you have a Sauvignon Blanc, that pairs beautifully with goat's cheese for the simple reason that goat's cheese also has a bright zestiness to it, very similar to Sauvignon Blanc. One of my favourite really easy pairings that anybody can try is actually Prosecco, sparkling wine from Italy, with mozzarella cheese. And if you think about the levels of intensity of flavour, they're both pretty much the same. They're both quite mellow, but they have a totally contrasting texture. So mozzarella's got that lovely yeah. creaminess to it. Prosecco's got that bubbly character. So they, they are bedfellows in intensity and they contrast in texture and it is something so thrilling and I always keep it on standby in my fridge just in case the neighbours pop round or I've got an impromptu moment or I'm feeling like yeah. something, a bit of a treat that isn't going to break the bank. So those sorts of pairings, I think, are really fun to explore. Yeah, lovely and quite refreshing as well, like you said, to re-refresh your palate once you've had your, your meal. Fantastic. Let's talk a bit about spicy food like Indian and Thai which is often just paired with an ice cold beer. And there's nothing wrong with that. I mean, we all love an ice cold beer. I but, um, love a, love can a we lovely take cold wine beer. With, yeah. <laughs> Is there a great wine to go with that type of food? Yeah, do you know what? There's so many. This is the thing. Spicy food has a tendency to make wine taste a little bit sharper. So in general, I'd say pick the fruitier, more mellow styles of wine. And a really safe bet to go with a wide range of spicy dishes is Pinot Gris. Pinot Gris is the same grape as Pinot Grigio. It's just been ripened on the vine for a little bit longer. So it's more peachy. It's a bit more generous. And so when you taste that spicy food, the wine actually, if you taste it beforehand, will be quite fleshy and peachy but after you've tasted the spicy food it'll be much more light and refreshing so it kind of refreshes yes. the wine and it gives you something to cleanse your palate for the next sip so pinot gris from alsace or new zealand was my go-to and it is a classic pairing with chicken tikka masala but you know what you can actually pair really good red wine with spicy dishes as well. I've had success, for example, okay. with Rioja, with a lamb rogan josh. And the Chileans are actually really getting behind their local grape variety called Carmenere, which is quite a peppery, deep, powerful grape. They're really getting behind it to have with a curry. So a wide range of dishes. Or if you think about something spicy on the barbecue, you might be having some ribs that are lashed with a bit of pepper or some deep marinade or rub. Don't be too yeah. afraid to reach for the red as well. Rule of thumb with the reds, avoid anything that's too chunky, too textural, too tannic is what we say in the wine trade. That's just the stuff that dries your mouth out. You want to go for young, juicy, fruity styles of wine and I'd avoid anything that's too old. Anything over two or three years old, it'll be a bit savoury. You need all that fruit to cope with the spice. Yeah. And does that go for, like you were saying, with barbecue food as well? Because obviously, you know, 
on barbecue feud, we've got a lot of char grilling, a lot of that like smoky flavors as well. So so much of that, so and that I, just goes across the board. Yeah. Definitely, definitely. I'd say at a barbecue, uh, another safe bet, Rioja Reserva. You know, everybody thinks of red Rioja from Spain as being that easy, mellow, sort of slightly spicy Spanish uh, slips down all too easily kind of a red. And I love it with yeah. a barbecue because it can actually handle quite sort of deep marinades and rubs. That's what you're after as well. If you think of burgers, soft texture lots of relish, quite pokey flavour. The wine does a similar job. It's quite textural, but not over the top, but it's got loads of deep flavour thanks to being in some oak barrels. So Rioja Reserva is a good bet. Don't be afraid as well. If the sun's out and you feel your wine turning to soup in the glass, do not be afraid to put that red bottle in an ice bucket for 20 minutes or so. The effect it'll have is it'll draw the fruity flavours back into focus. So it's absolutely fine to do that. It won't damage the wine in any way. When you're chilling red wines again rule of thumb young and fruity and light is the way to go grapes like pinot noir gamay they're fantastic to chill and actually in the summertime for a bit of refreshment i love them yeah let's stay on red wine for a minute then because i know that you said um fish and red wine can be wonderful and that that's probably another myth that we need to bust is you know people thinking i've ordered fish in a restaurant i need to order white wine that's just the way it is it's so true, isn't it? We, we get into these mindsets and I think it's probably the same with all walks of life. You know, when I sit down to watch the telly of an evening, I'm always reaching for a, it's going to be a Marvel movie for me and my family, but it's important to break out and you're, you're spot on. You know, white yeah. wine is absolutely fine with fish, but red wine can really pair beautifully with certain types of fishes, the meatier types. For example, tuna steaks, they work a charm. Swordfish steaks, again, mm. really good. Monkfish, fabulous. But if you think of all of those flavours, again, Again, quite often we amp them up with some quite hefty flavours and, and they can cope with it. Those fishes can. And it's the same with your red wine. You want something that's light. And my go-to grape variety is Gamay, which you'll find in French Gamay. Beaujolais. Everyone kind of thinks, oh, Beaujolais Nouveau, that was terrible stuff. If, you, if you're willing to spend a tiny bit more, Beaujolais Village, Villages on the label, is always going to be a tiny bit better quality, a bit more rich flavour. Oh, yes. If you want to go the extra mile, a named village on the Beaujolais label, like Fleury, uh, you've got Morgan, you've got all of the Juliennes, the ones you might remember from the 1980s, if like me you were around but they are absolutely delicious and for me they're some of the best fine wine bargains in the world you're talking 10 maybe 15 quid which i appreciate is a spend but it's not as much of a spend as a region like bordeaux where you could spend hundreds of pounds or burgundy where you could spend thousands of pounds so Beaujolais actually comes from southern Burgundy, but it is such a bargain and it is beautiful to have with meaty fish. Yeah. And you, you talked about chilling red before. Let, let's just circle back to that because that's something that I've seen a lot more when I've gone out to eat, like um, restaurants offering a chilled red. And I think it, it would be surprising to a lot of people that you can chill it because that used to be the big thing that you did not do was put the red wine in the fridge. It was the no-no, wasn't it? I remember when I started out in wine, I was working in a wine (laughs) shop and, and, you know, we would bring the red wine out of the cellar in time for it to warm up to serve to customers or to pour for a staff tasting. But yeah, actually, when you think about it, room temperature these days is quite a lot warmer than it would have been, say, 100, 200 years ago because they wouldn't have had central heating. So actually, as a guide, I kind of feel my way around with red wines. I'm served them, I like to serve them around 16 to 18 degrees. So if you think of room temperature, some people, I mean, if you're my mum and dad, they love a toasty house. My dad marches around in shorts all the time. (laughs) Uh, You know, his his house is going to be a lot warmer. So his red wines, they're going to be a lot looser. And I think it's one of those things with reds where if you are 
willing to chill them a bit and even put them in the fridge for an hour yeah the younger and the lighter and the fruitier the better think of it like butch rose it just invigorates the wine it, it refreshes you it yeah. tastes really fruity it has that effect of drawing that fruitiness into uh, into the foreground plus it feels it just feels very drinkable and i know that sounds a bit baffling yeah. people are like what do you mean and it's the difference between drinking a hot mug of gravy on a on a summer's day or something like a, you know a strawberry mivy and ice lolly i know which one i'm going for i'm going for the cold <laughs> red i love it now you mentioned rosé there and rosé is the drink of the summer but you said you're quite a big fan of a, of an all all year rosé. Yes. <laughs> Drink it all year. I think we should be drinking it all year because rosé, it's been on the rampage, actually, you know, as a category. It's one of the most popular. It's mm. one of the fastest growing. I think part of the reason for that is it feels instantly informal. And it's um, it's yeah. one of the things I've always tried to work on with my, my love of wine is I'm very enthusiastic about it, but I've tried to keep it as informal and accessible as possible. And I think rosé is a great example of one that doesn't feel that intimidating. You know, we've all enjoyed a glass of rosé in the summer time had a chat with some friends you don't have to worry too much about the wine style you might know that Provence is an area that specializes in rosé from the south of France and that style is fantastic for garlicky dishes it works supremely okay. well with those aromatic flavors that you find whether it's a little bit of raw garlic in a dish a bit of cooked garlic it just can handle all comers the other thing I love with rosé salad niçoise classic pairing but all year round when it gets to the autumnal time it sort of echoes the turning of the leaves you know you see that reddish hue they turn and then through christmas it sort of feels like the holly berries it feels quite festive especially with fizz and for good value fizz that's rosé i'd be looking to bordeaux at the moment there's one if i can give mns a mention there's lots of other places to shop Please um, do, but yeah. they have etoile de timberlay rosé which is a sparkler from bordeaux 10 quid very very hard to beat that on quality lovely pale rosé year-round drinking whether it's christmas with your smoked salmon the aperitif before you your barbecue or just a shellfish banquet frankly at any time of the year i'd be guzzling it it's lovely yeah. stuff this episode is brought to you by visit myrtle beach you know what's better than getting away to a beach getting together at the beach myrtle beach south carolina they've got over 2,000 restaurants live music playing all day and night and endless attractions this place was made for playing hard and beaching easy. Welcome to 60 Miles Where You Belong. The Beach, Myrtle Beach, South Carolina. Plan your trip at visitmyrtlebeach.com. Earning your degree online doesn't mean you have to go about it alone. At Capella University, we're here to support you when you're ready. From enrollment counselors who get to know you and your goals, to academic coaches who can help you form a plan to stay on track. We care about your success and are dedicated to helping you pursue your goals. Going back to school is a big step, but having support at every step of your academic journey can make a big difference. Imagine your future differently at capella.edu. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com.
Let's talk a bit more about fortified wines, because I know you're a big fan of Fino Sherry. Yes, I love Fino Sherry. I, I just, for me, it's never gone away. You know, I remember my dad, we didn't really drink wine as a, as a family growing up, you know, but one thing yeah. that my dad did have in the fridge was Tio Pepe Sherry, and it was big, you know, it was kind of the really? late 70s, the 80s. Yeah, he used to love it. And um, it's, a very, it's a quality drink, you know, and even now, Fino Sherry, prices have stayed largely friendly, actually, to consumers. And when you think it mm. takes many, many years to make this bright, light, fortified drink, passing through many, many casks, blended to perfection, the short sort of way of describing it, if you haven't tasted it before, is if you like the flavour of green olives or a dry martini, you are going to love Fino Sherry. It's slightly saline, big flavour, but as a food pairing, it goes so well with, with nibbles. You know, if you think of the classic pairings like ham on, a bit of cheddar, but it's so good with shellfish. Fresh oysters, absolutely sublime. You know, if you've got some prawns going on, delicious. But also, you know, a main meal, don't be afraid to have it with that as well. I've, I've drunk all sorts of different yeah. styles of sherry with a main meal, and I've been amazed. And as far as value for money goes, you can get them in the half bottles, the full bottles, but you'll struggle to spend more than a tenner on it. And it really is world-class fine wine done to perfection. And the reason it's inexpensive and good value is simply that it is not that fashionable. And it's baffling to me because it's been that way for years. So yeah, fortified wine, yeah. I think, deserves a big shout out. I love Mafino Sherry. Before a meal, I'll tell you what it feels like when you grab it out of the fridge. Always serve it cold, by the way. Ideally in a little tiny glass. Yeah. It feels like somebody's giving your palate a polish. Just feels like it's gleaming nice. and it sort of refreshes, invigorates. <laughs> it's like it's the Kickstarter on a on a on a revved up, you know, great motorcycle that's gonna take you to the destination of your dreams. I love it. And the good thing about it is it will it will keep for a while, won't it, in the fridge? Fortified, yeah, absolutely. You can keep your Fino Sherry open in the fridge for a couple of days. I mean, I do like it the fresher the better. But some of those fortified okay. wines will keep forever, the ones that are oxidised already. So a good example of that is Madeira. Oh. And again, Madeira, uh, Portuguese style of fortified wine, it's a wonderful wine destination. If you're ever interested in visiting really interesting wineries, Madeira is fascinating because it's kind of subtropical there's butterflies flying around but there's also banana trees and that creates the style of the wine it's that heat that mugginess literally the wine in casks is baked so they put it in these warehouses the fortified wine and if you imagine the flavors of sultanas walnuts prunes figs those flavors bake over time that the liquid reduces down and creates these wonderfully rich complex flavors that you can get relatively light ones you can get very sweet ones like boile and those are the ones that i think as we slip away from the summer into the autumn months they are so yeah. comforting and and they're oxidized already as i mentioned so you could leave a bottle of that open on your sideboard for weeks months even a year or two it won't change because it's it's already bulletproof and going back to wow. cheese boards i think of madeira as being like liquid chutney delicious with a cheese board, lovely with a bit of fruitcake. But again, before a meal, oddly, that intense flavour just seems to really invigorate. So I'm a big advocate yeah. for the fortified wines. You know, I could go on about the chilled tawny ports as well, but I feel I've done my advocacy for them. And I do yeah. urge anyone <laughs> listening to, to give those drinks a go because mighty on flavour, mini on that. budget. Um, let's talk about some kind of lesser known wines because I know I, I've seen it um, you know, trumpeted as the next big thing for the last couple of years. But um, Greek wine is really having a moment at the minute, isn't it? 
Totally. I've been travelling to Greece since I met my wife, and I'm now 49, so it's a little while ago. So I, we were 16 when we met, and we first went to Greece when oh. we were 17, and we've been every single year since. We love it. And from that first trip, I fell in love with Greek produce, the Greek way of life, the lots of sort of small boutique organic production of all the flavours that you love. A simple tomato or some just quality meat or the fish that comes out of the sea is yeah. just delicious. And the wine is pretty much the same. There's a whole library out there of unique grape varieties that don't exist anywhere else. And it's taken a little while for us to sort of really reach out beyond the kind of the fear of Retzina from the 70s and 80s. That's long gone. Greek wine has been going for thousands of years, particularly the white wines, I think, really appealing. One grape variety that I absolutely love is called Malagusia, and it sort of smells and tastes a bit like a peach that's wreathed in jasmine. And you can find it in the supermarkets. Wow. There's lots of examples of it being blended. There's a good one in Majestic in a blend, actually. I think it's called Chosen by Majestic Greek White Eight ninety nine. I think it's Malagusia, Roditis and Asiatico blend from the top of my mind, but I, it's definitely got uh, that fragrant, wonderful character that I associate with Greek whites. They don't have to break the bank. This is the, uh, this is the key piece of information. Another great white wine region in Greece, the island of Santorini, which is an old volcano. And when you go there, it's kind of burnished and black sand and really kind of mysterious, actually. And the whole place feels like it's on the boil with just something vital and primal. And <laughs> You go into the vineyards, they, they weave them around in a little circle like a bird's nest. And that's to keep the grapes in the middle protected from the Meltemi wind, from the direct heat of the sun. So it creates its own environment, its own little ecosystem, if you like, in each individual vine. And when the wine's made, the sea breeze comes in, coats the vines in this wonderful sea mist. You can't help but notice a little sharp twist of salinity, that little kiss from the sea. And that Oh, yeah. with shellfish. What a wine. So big fan oh, of the Greek yeah. wines. The reds are amazing. We've seen a lot of wonderful island wines from Greece, but the next big thing from Greece is going to be the mountain wines. Up in Amindio, there's some wonderful stuff already, but the hills and mountains, the cooler climates of Greece, Crete as well has some incredible high altitude stuff. That is so exciting for me for a, a relatively untapped area of wine wow. that's right on our doorstep. And f and for those wines you mentioned, shellfish, and uh, and then are we thinking like you know the grilled grilled meats, yes, kind of oh, fresh salads, absolutely, feta, that kind I, of thing. I, yeah. Well, with a, with a Greek salad, you can't go wrong with a sirtiko. A sirtiko is that local grape from Santorini I mentioned. It's so good. Things like sun dried tomatoes as well, with that really boosting intense yeah. flavour. Fava beans, you know, big Gorgeous. speciality of the region. All of those wonderful flavours with the whites, with the reds. There's a grape called Xinomavro, which begins with an X. And you can find it, again, lots of supermarkets have them. You know, the high street's got them. The specialist retailers definitely got them. And it's, a, it's an intriguing red grape variety that re does remind me, actually, of sun-dried tomatoes, but also it has this intense berry fruit character. It works so well with dishes such as lamb. It's amazing, actually, for a barbecue if you're going all out and having a full <laughs> roast. Yeah. That's the kind of wine that if you enjoy... If you enjoy Italian red wines, they're not a million miles off the style of Sinomavro, but yeah. I would say unique in its own right. Think black olives, sun-dried tomatoes, somebody's waved a bay leaf over the top. It's that kind of jazz. <laughs> Gorgeous. Yeah. And you also mentioned in your notes another place that I, 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 I don't think I've drunk a wine from, which is Romania. And you said it's got the best 
value Pinot Noir right now. 100%. I mean, yeah, I I'm recommended go after this. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, you've got to go. In, there's one I can give you called Encanter Pinot Noir, $7.99 in Majestic. Uh, I just recommended it on the telly actually last week, I think it was, for a lamb dish that Cyrus Toddy was. Mm. It? No, it wasn't Cyrus Toddy Waller. It was. It was Irina, Irina from Romania, of course it was. And it was... Oh, yeah, she's lovely, yeah. She's so amazing. And her dish... She's the been la- on the podcast. Has <laughs> she? Fab. You see, this yeah. is what I love about the world of food and drink, is that we always learn something new. And I... I yeah. With, with Cyrus' dish, I remember pairing it with a, a Portuguese white, but Irina cooked this great bit of lamb. And of course I want to reach out to Romania because I love the wines. Yeah. The heritage and culture of Romanian wine actually stretches way back, thousands and thousands and thousands of years. You know, Dacia, it was a province in Roman times... Vines are there. We know this production's been a long time, uh, and and the expertise that's now going on is absolutely world class. And what's brilliant for all of us at home is we can we can get these wines. That that one from Majestic I mentioned is a good example. Um, Asda also have a white wine for a fiver called uh, Fetiashka Regala in their Wine Atlas selection. Unmissably delicious white wine. And these wines are bargains right now because we just don't know them very well. The cost of land out there is relatively inexpensive and it feels like we're at the beginning of a modern era in Romanian wine production. So my advice is definitely, if you're looking for a bargain, get into Romania as soon as you can. Those prices won't stay so keenly priced for long. Are there wines which are, you know, just made for food and there are wines that are better on their own or vice versa? I, I, gen- I think that's a really important question. And, and it's one that I'm, I'm really happy to answer because genuinely I feel like all wine belongs with food. You know, it's pretty pokey stuff. Okay. It's kind of 11, 11.5%. Whenever I'm traveling in Europe, I'm always given some nibbles of have a glass of wine. And I think that's the way forward. You don't have to have a whole meal. Yeah. But even if it's an aperitif, and I love like English wine, like uh, Bacchus is a great example of a superb aperitif that isn't too alcoholic. It's 11.5, 11%, something like that. But even that, you know, with a few little gentle nibbles, something salty, a few nuts, you know, maybe some shellfish. That is yeah. totally, for me, the way to enjoy it. There's a couple of reasons for it. First of all, you know, by lining your stomach, you're able to kind of enjoy it more for longer. Because everyone's had that moment when you've had a couple of glasses and it hits you at the wedding and you think, oh, I've had two glasses of bubbly and I'm absolutely all over the yeah. place. And you've just got to rein in, have some water. Nobody wants to do that. Pacing yourself means that you can enjoy <laughs> it for longer and you can enjoy the pleasure of the food a bit better. So, I, you know, I, yes, of course, yeah. there are moments when you just want a cold glass of white wine. I, I totally get that. But as a rule of thumb, my, my honest feeling is wine always really belongs with a few nibbles in hand. You know, apart from anything else, you're expanding that world of flavour. You know, the front your flavour is yeah. never ending why not explore it to the full whenever you can yeah that's a great answer actually um lastly i know that you've got a book coming out in october and i'm hoping you're going to come back in october and talk about that it's called the world cocktail atlas i can see you're waving a copy yeah at me. i've got my um, first copy it I literally lo- arrived today <laughs> yahoo amazing um and i also know that you're a big fan of cocktails and food um and cocktails whilst cooking um Tell us about some great combinations with cocktails. Yeah, I I love cocktails. I think, you know, the world of cocktails around the globe, you know, I think from the the south of the USA to Singapore, everybody's got their specialisms and it, it could not be more dynamic, more exciting time to get into cocktails. You don't need any skills yeah. to be a good cocktail bar person. You just literally have a go. Presentation is, is fine, but actually it's the flavour that counts. So don't worry if you can't do all the fancy garnishes. It's literally about measuring and anybody can do that. Anybody can assemble a cocktail. So with the World Cocktail Atlas, I have got lots of good recipes in there, but I would say for food, oysters and a classic martini, if you've never done it, you're missing out. 
It's brilliant. Everybody thinks, oh, yes, we'll have the maybe a bit of fizz. That'd be nice. Maybe, you know, a bit of muscadet, muscadet, some people say. Very good value. Delicious French wine cracking with muscadet, with uh, oysters. But you've got to try a martini. Yeah. A, and you can have it with a twist. You can have it with an olive. Doesn't matter. Just go for it with the oysters. Delicious. I'd also say... I love my cheese and I love drinking. We've talked about, you know, white wine with cheese. We've talked about fortified wine with cheese. Try a Negroni with a cheese board. If you think about, you know, the the similar flavours to a really rich glass of port with the extra additional aromatic spice in there. So I love it with blue cheese. It goes great with cheddar, punchy flavours it can handle. It's a big, bold cocktail and Negroni. So go big on your cheese. But again, great fun. Lovely yeah. for the end of the evening. You're turning up the volume on the flavours. <laughs> Plus, you know, that will get everybody revved up for that kitchen disco, which we mentioned. Um, and, and, you know, I think about chocolate. Not the easiest thing in the world to pair drinks with. A white Russian. Classic. A bit of Kahlua. Ooh, yeah. yeah, the creaminess of it. it. It works a charm with a box of chocolates. So, you know, that, that moment when you've got in from a hard day and you're thinking, I might just have a little nibble at the chocolate box. Just remember the white Russian that goes with it and you'll not go far wrong. <laughs> I love the idea of, um, I know a lot of restaurants now do like a pudding cocktails. Yes. So... You have like a, and what a great idea. (laughs) Uh, Yes, completely agree. I mean, there's nothing better than the, you know, the affogato with a bit of vanilla ice cream with a shot of espresso on it or anything with a bit of good limoncello bathed in it. You know, I remember when I was growing up, my mum used to make Delia Smith's trifle and I'm sure my mum sloshed way too much booze on those lady fingers. But I grew up okay. I I mean, it seemed to be all right. Delicious though, either way. (laughs) I love it. Well, hopefully all of that's, giving people a little bit more confidence to go out and get uh, get experimenting, buying a bit more wine. You know, as you said, just get out there and try it. Um, where can people keep up with everything you've got going on, Ollie? Oh, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of in the Online? usual places. I've got my website, uh, olliesmith.com, which is O-L-L-Y. I'm on Instagram with Ollie Smith. That's my, uh, is it a handle? I think that's what it's called. I'm even on TikTok. I mean, goodness me, what does the world yeah. come to? Are you? you? Yeah, I am. I think I'm Ollie Smith official on that. But um, yeah, find me on, on okay. online. I'm, I'm always happy to make recommendations. And if there's something specific, yeah. if I can help, I'd love to. I just think spreading the, the joy, really, of the world of drinks. And, yeah. you know, I've benefited hugely yeah. from the welcome I've had from the world of drinks. So I'd love to be able to share that and pass that along to as many as I can. Yeah. And your podcast um, is great. I was listening to an episode earlier and it's you You have um, celebrity guests coming on and talking about, you know, their kind of what they love about wine and drinking. And it's just it's it's a lot of good fun, isn't it? Oh, thank you. Yeah, I've had such fun doing it. I really have. And some of the guests we've had, we had Kylie Minogue, Pink's been on the show, Dawn French, Sam Neill from Jurassic Park. It's co- I mean, really Amazing. pinch me. I'm not entirely sure how this has happened. Ed Gamble's been on it. He's hilarious, by the way. Yeah, um, yeah no, a complete hoot. But that's again, it's the lovely world of podcasts and food and drink now is just having such a wonderful heyday and because of this wonderful medium so hooray I think is the appropriate word hooray yeah brilliant well thank you so much for chatting to us today Ollie and please come back in October and tell us all about the new book I'd be delighted thanks for having me thank you for listening to the Olive podcast for recipes and more information head to olivemagazine.com Do remember to listen out for our effortless bonus episodes where our guests reveal their best cooking cheats, hacks and shortcuts. And don't forget to subscribe at iTunes, Acast, Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts.